0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShall from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, I would like to share a few things. Um, I'm a little bit nervous because it's not usual to to address the congregation with Pastor Tom on front row. And and my mother-in-law on the other side of the front row. So I I am trying to make sure that I get my my ducks in a row. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 4, you know, years ago I... I went to school Marondera in Bernard Mizek College when I did my, fifth, my Form 5 and Form 6. And when I was in Form 5, I think it's around 1985, I, I found a place where I could go and study and pray. At the back of the Anglican Church at Bernard Mizek College, they had a room which we converted into a library. So I would Uh, go every Wednesday and I would take time to pray and I would study and I would pray. So while I was uh, studying a book by uh, a gentleman, a missionary called David Brainerd, I read a statement that he wrote and this is what he said. He said, Lord, I long to be a flame of fire continually glowing in the divine service and in building up Christ's kingdom to my last and dying breath. I long to be a flame continually burning in your service. And that really impacted me. I thought a flame continually burning in the Lord's service. And I thought this is the kind of thing I would like to do. This is what I would like to be known for. And while I was meditating and thinking around that, I was also reading one of the 20th century foremost spokesmen for revivalism, uh, Leonard Ravenhill and he was talking about the, that in the last days God is going to bring an end time harvest of souls and as, when I was thinking about these two concepts I felt like God whispered into my ear that he wanted me to be part of the end time strategic financiers of that end time harvest and I, I felt oh now I see the place where I would serve God and what I would do. And this is way back in 1984. And I've prayed this prayer, Lord, make me a flame continually glowing in your service that I may be about building Christ's kingdom to my last and dying breath. I've prayed long. I've fasted around it. I've structured things and I've I've walked a journey where I thought sometimes I got so close and I thought, "Now I'm getting into that which God has called me into." And sometimes, when I got so close, I realized I was close but far. And I've seen things, I've uh, gotten into some success, where I thought, "Now I am really there." And sometimes I've seen mirages and I thought, "Oh, this is it. I'm almost grab it." And but suddenly you realize you get there and you realize it's really a mirage. And I often wondered and said, Lord, if there's an agency about this end-time harvest, if there's an agency <coughs> in terms of financing this end-time harvest, why does it take so long for me to get into that which I think you have called me to? And I started, I, I created a tradition in my life, way back from 84, to set aside then it was a Wednesday where I would pray fast and praying into that which I felt God was calling me to. And all these years, I've maintained that tradition. We just change, I just changed the days from Wednesday to Friday, but it's something that I have continually done. And yet, I've not yet seen what God has promised me. And many times I've wanted to, to walk away and say, Lord, it doesn't make sense to continue pursuing a promise that's not manifesting. And you want to turn away, and, but the more I try to turn away, the more I feel the burden of that call. And when I was thinking about this, it drew my attention to Romans chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, and I will read. Of Abram, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead, (coughs) excuse me, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. From verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. In the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God promised, he was able also to perform. So I started started trying to create a parallel from my experience to Abraham's experience, and I'm looking at Abraham. he has had an encounter with God and God gives him a word and God says to him, "You will be, I've made you a father of many nations. And this is in the presence of God whom he believed. God has given him a word and the word that God gives becomes the foundation of faith because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he receives the word from God and that becomes the foundation because you know, God speaks the end from the beginning. So God is declaring the end. You'll become the father of many nations. But right now, you are not a father of many nations. You'll be a strategic end-time financier of the gospel, but you are not a financier of the gospel in, in that sense yet. You, I've called you to build people, build dreams, to build the kingdom. And I show you a picture of reformation. It is a congregation we are called to that, yet we are not yet what we have been called to and you lay your life like our pastors have done almost 40 years for that which god has called you to you see it but you don't you have not yet embraced it and sometimes you you feel like oh <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> oh i am old i'm 100 years old my wife is also old and how can we have a child and you begin to say there was a time when i was young when i could have done it more effectively but nothing has happened And you're saying, Lord, what is happening? And often, just like Abraham, you are tempted to say, Lord, can I just call somebody else? This is not working. Or can we make a plan? And the plan is not working. That's when I realize that when God speaks a word and he gives it to speak to your destiny, to speak to who you are becoming, that word creates faith. Because faith cometh by hearing. And the problem, like I said, is that God declares the end from the beginning. And he has a habit of not disclosing the in-between. And the in-between is our challenge. From that powerful experience in a church building in 1984, that speaks to what I am becoming. And all these years, nothing has happened. And yet the word created faith, and that faith is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about a topic I have entitled the burden of faith. Because the, the, the word that God gives you and the faith that it creates, it creates a burden which is called the burden of faith. How how do you handle the burden? of holding to an incredible word of God that you you can't even visualize. It's so powerful. It's so great. But yet, in reality, (coughs) it challenges all your current realities. How can you, as Abram, become the father of many nations, and yet you are barren? Now, now inside you, you, you are having faith as a reason, but the reality does not agree, and it creates a burden. What do I hold on to? Do I hold on to what God has spoken? Or do I hold on to the reality that I see? It creates a tension and a pressure on you. Because there's a burden of contesting realities. The reality that you see, that is from 1984 to 2017, I have not entered into what God has spoken, but yet the pressure of the faith and of the call remains. How do I deal with that conflicting thing? Pastor Tom was shown rays of light coming out of Zimbabwe across the whole world. We have not yet entered into it, but it's almost 37, or oh, sorry, 40 years later. <laughs> so there's there a burden. There's a burden of faith. It's, it's, it's a burden of seeing What an eternal God who calls those things that be not as though they were alive, what he sees. Because God speaks to what he sees, not to what I see. And how do I maintain faith when I'm looking at what he sees and I don't see? How do I deal with that? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the burden of faith. You know, often, like Abraham, you you want to walk away. And I'm sure even when you talk to Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie, many times they've wanted to walk away from the call of God because they say, Lord, you caused us to open your word, but we have not yet seen it. And they say there are better opportunities elsewhere, but the burden of faith constrains them to remain faithful to the call of God. So there are things that God has spoken concerning your destiny, and you say, ah, This is not working. Why don't I try something else? But the burden of faith brings you back to that place of calling, to that place that God has spoken to your destiny. It's the end, but I don't see it yet. And yet the burden of faith constrains me. So it causes you to choose to consider certain realities. And you look at them, and they are contrary to the promise, and you say, I would rather choose the promise of God than the realities I see. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it speaks of Sarah. And it says, Sarah, when with her womb already dead, God promised her a seed. And Sarah judged God faithful. When I look at that scripture, what it means to me is Sarah is seated there and she's thinking, God has made this promise. He has told me the end while this is the beginning. But I look at the reality of my womb and I realize that this is not working. And I now need to make a judgment, say, do I go with what I see or do I go with the word of God? So Sarah judges God faithful. She judges that I will commit to what God is saying. and commit to what God is doing, even though the realities that I experience are not in conformity to what God is saying. Now the burden of faith is this. When you hold on to that which God has spoken, which is contrary to current realities, people will deem you to be unrealistic. How can you spend your life for something that is not happening? How can you hold on to something that does not seem like it's manifesting? And people may begin to think you are in denial. And yet the burden of faith does not allow you to walk away from the promise that God declared in the beginning. the burden of faith is encountered when you look at the immensity of the promise of God. The Bible says that Abraham did not waver in faith, waver in unbelief when he considered the promise of God. Because see, the immensity of God's promise, sometimes <coughs> you ask yourself, is this real? Can one movement change a nation? Can one church create reformation. There are so many others who have gone before us because the the promise is incredible in its immensity. And that causes you sometimes to waver. And you struggle. So how do you handle that? You see, the burden of faith is a burden of trusting God who promised and saying this God is not only faithful, But he is able and he is willing to perform what he promised. Even when nothing is showing for it. Am I talking to somebody? So it creates a tension. A tension between, we see when God speaks, he is declaring, his word declares a faith goal, he declares the end, he speaks the end from the beginning. So you see that end. And yet you see the reality of now. Now the conflict between the reality of now and the vision you have seen creates a burden of faith. What do you now hold to? You see, it's the burden of living by faith, in the now, while you are seeing the promise from afar. So you see what God has said. You see what celebration ministries is becoming. And yet when you look at where you are at right now, it doesn't show for it. So how do you stay in faith? How do you keep pushing? You see, it's it's the burden of living in the frustration of the now while holding on to the hope of the faith of the word of God. How do you become, I mean, think about Joseph. God has just shown him that you will be Your father, your brothers will bow to you. You are becoming a prince. And yet he finds himself in prison. How do you hold on to the faith of what God is saying when everything else on the ground is contrary to what God is saying? That's what I'm calling the tension of the burden of faith. Do you remember David crying to God in Psalm 119 verse 49? He says, remember, O Lord... The word that, yours, that you have given to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. You have given me a word, and I hope on that word. But when, you see, when he says, remember, O oh Lord, it's because the reality around him is contrary to that word. So he's saying, has God forgotten the word in which he has caused me to hope? He has given me a mandate. He has given us as a movement a mandate of reformation, and we are pursuing it, and sometimes we don't feel our influence. We don't feel our impact, and we are saying, Lord, we have poured our lives. We have poured our prayers. We have poured our resources, but we don't see any Remember, oh Lord, my God, the word in which you have caused me to hope. That's the burden of faith. (coughs) Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11. I'll read verses 13 and 15. Verse 13 says this, Hebrews chapter 11. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. And verse 15, and truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises. That's the burden of faith. They embraced the promises. They saw the promises afar off, committed themselves to the promises, even though there was contrary evidence. Even though there was nothing to show for it, but they held on to the promises. They held on to the hope of what God is saying. You know, there are some things that God has spoken to our lives that may not necessarily be fulfilled in our own lifetimes. And yet they will still come to pass because God is no liar. What he has said, it will happen. So I'm talking about a faith that holds on tenaciously a faith that says it doesn't matter how long it takes I'm going to remain in the trenches if we are going to make a difference for God we are going to have to say we will stay in the trenches, we will push in the burden of faith does not allow us to let go the burden of faith does not allow me to let go of the promise of God I will keep trudging on, I will keep trudging on I may do it by faith I may struggle, I may have to crawl but I will still push on until final victory says, these guys, they embrace the promise from afar off. You see, it's a burden of holding on without receiving. How do you embrace a promise which you have not received? Did you follow what I'm saying? It says, look again at that scripture. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off were assured of them and embraced them, so they embraced them, and yet did not receive. You follow what I'm saying? And that's the burden of faith. To say faith says, hold on to what you have embraced, even if you have not yet received. It. And when people look at you, they'll say, what are you doing still hanging on to this thing? Can't you see it's not working? You are laying down your life. You are wasting your time. I mean, since 1984, since 1979, what are you doing here in this God forsaken country? How can you stay in a country which is a coup which is not a coup? You stay in a country. You stay in a country which is a bond note, which is not a note." which is a currency, which is not a currency. How do you even continue believing God? How do you build a business without knowing the legal framework around it? Nobody knows what is happening. How do you stay at it? It's called the burden of faith. Because you see, when God speaks, because when God speaks his word, it's established. When he declares the end from the beginning, it will happen. But along the way, you will have challenges. But how do you hold on while it's happening? <coughs> Hallelujah. How do you hold on to your confession with no outward confirming evidence of what you are confirming? You see, it says, these people who re- embrace promises from afar off, they consider themselves strangers in this world. Because they see things that others don't see. They are aliens in this world. Hallelujah. It says if they had considered the land from which they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. So the burden of faith, it talks about guarding your mind from considering where you came from and focus on where you are going. You see, you focus on what God has said. Because if you consider Egypt, Egypt will become more enticing. You will have an opportunity to go back. But the burden of faith says, maintain your faith. Press in, even though nothing is happening. Let's move on. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8. Paul is about to be, he has finished his race and he's about to check out of this world. So he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at the end. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who love his appearing. So, what is Paul saying? I know he's talking about bigger things, but really, what he's is saying is that faith is a battle. He's saying faith is a fight, it's the fight of your life the word that God has given you will be contested. You see, when God speaks to your destiny, the enemy will throw everything at you to make sure that it doesn't happen. The moment God says the word becomes flesh, the devil raised a herald to kill all children in a a nuclear attack, in an attempt to destroy that one child of promise. So you have to fight the battle. You see, I'm not talking about, you know, when when you talk about faith, there is, sometimes you have a gift of faith, okay? And a gift of faith is a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit that you get and you believe God for something, it just happens. And there are times when you do things and you just believe in a matter of weeks, things happen. But the things which have eternal consequences are things which you are going to fight for. It's going to be a battle. You are going to give pressure on it. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be, it will be a reward for those who fight to the end. So the burden of faith is that faith is a battle. He says, I have finished my course. So the burden of faith is that this faith for destiny is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a race of endurance to the promise. So that burden of saying, how do I endure? How do I persevere? How do I keep pushing? Do I allow the persecution of the circumstances around me to overcome my perseverance? Or do I understand that perseverance always outlasts persecution? Do I allow the circumstances around me to become so pressure, so, I mean, to put so much pressure on me that I give up? So the burden of faith says, don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep pressing. You know, some, somebody said this to me. Somebody said that. He said that zeal. So I don't know. He says, motivation gets you started. But commitment is what sees you to the finish line. You know, There are times when you have to fight beyond your level of motivation. You say, I am committed to what God said. I'm committed to destiny. I'm committed to the call of God. I will continue pushing. Whether I feel motivated or not, I will keep at it. That's the burden of faith. Hallelujah. (coughs) See, the burden of faith. You see, when Paul is talking here, he's talking about him finishing his race. he's looking at eternity. You see, the burden of faith talks about holding on to the promise of eternal life, in the tyranny of the immediacy of the now. You see, the now puts an agency. What do I do? Do I do it with an eternal perspective, or do I do it because of the agency of the now? When I think about financing the kingdom, you see there are so many agent things that put pressure on my wallet. If I give in to the agency of the immediate and of the now, I lose my eternal perspective. And yet faith says I should look to things which have eternal consequences and not yield to the agency of now. How do I maintain an eternal perspective in a temporal world? It was again David Brainerd, whom I quoted earlier, who said this. This guy was a missionary to the Inga's, who gave his life in Southern America. He gave his life for the gospel. At one time he said this, I love to live on the brink of eternity. Think about I love to live on the brink of eternity. Because of the burden of faith, he did not count his life as anything. What is it that God has called you to, beyond your sustenance, beyond your earning money? What is it of eternal value that God has called you as part of this kingdom of reformation? What is it? What is your contribution? Are you living on the brink of eternity? Are you living with eternal perspective? Are you thinking this is my contribution? This is what I will do to push forward the cause of reformation? Or you are simply saying, if I can only survive the bond notes? What is it you are thinking about? Hallelujah. It's 11 o'clock. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Seven times a day, we give you praise and worship. In Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Let's move towards closing. In Hebrews 6, 11 to 12, the Bible says this. Hebrews chapter 6. This is 11 to 12, and then verse 15. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So he says, we desire that you attain the full assurance of hope to the end. But he says, for you to do that, you need to show diligence. You see, many, ter- many times as believers, we think that faith is a magic wand. I just believe God and abracata, abracata, it happens. We, we just think, I mean, I mean it's, it's like Pastor Tom talks about many people when they saw the completion of this building, they say, oh, Celebration Center is an overnight success. And Pastor Tom says, it's a 25-year overnight success. You see, the burden of faith means that for us to apprehend the assurance of hope to the end, we need to show diligence. We need to be working at it. It's the burden of working hard to see the fulfillment of what God has spoken. It says you should not be sluggish. So it's easy to become lazy. And you say, ah. God said it, 1984, I remember I had an encounter with God, God said this, whatever God says it will happen, what will be, will be, that is being sluggish. If your mindset is, whatever God said will just happen, it doesn't need my, my, my contribution, it doesn't need me doing something, then you are being sluggish. But what God calls us to as a movement, what God calls you to as a person, you you need to devote yourself to it. You need to be diligent. You need to work at it. You are not supposed to be sluggish and just say whatever will be, will be. Come on. See, the burden of faith says that that you may imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. So it means that The burden of faith is patience. You will persevere. You have to endure to the end. You have to keep pressing on. You have to say, I am not giving up. I'm going to continue. I look at those who have gone before me and they encourage me. The Bible says that the things which are written in the Scriptures, they are for your examples. These stories are told us so that the, through the consolation of the Scriptures, we may hold on to what God has promised. So I go to the Scriptures. I study the Word of God. I do my daily Bible reading because I am looking for to imitate those who have gone before me. I cannot imitate those who have not obtained it. Hallelujah. Let's round up. Jude chapter, Jude verses three and four. So we're talking about the burden of faith. See, many times you, you feel like, you know, why, don't I, why doesn't God just release me to do something else, to pursue something else? This is not working. But the burden of faith constrains you to keep at it, to contend For that which God has spoken. So Hebrew Jude 3 and 4. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord, God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Jude is talking about at a global level. He's not talking about your personal faith. He's talking about the faith which has been committed to the saints. And he says that faith needs to be contended for. You see, we live in a day where the burden of faith says you have to contend against doctrinal impurity. You see, there, there are so many people We have allowed things to come into the church. We have begun to say things. We have begun to teach error. And it's very easy to be swayed by every wind of doctrine. But if you are going to stay in the narrow and achieve what God has called us to, we have to contend for the faith. We have to contend for doctrinal purity. We have to search the scriptures ourselves. The burden of faith says, I have to study the word of God. You see, your daily Bible reading is not enough. You need to search the scriptures beyond. This is just, a, you see, the, 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 what do you call it? The minimum standard is to do your daily Bible reading. But for you to contend against the, the errors in doctrine, you need to study the word of God. Study to show yourself approved. Dividing the, right, the word of God correctly. <coughs> because there are many who seek to deceive even the elect. So we we need to remain true to the word of God. Hallelujah. But also in contending for the faith, even in your own personal life, you see, when God has given you a word, you need to contend for the faith for that word. You need to contend for that word to become real. You see, you, you read in Daniel that Daniel was searching the scriptures. And he discovers Jeremiah's prophecy, Jeremiah 25. Which says after 70 years, the nation of Israel will be restored. And yet he did not just say, oh, it's so good. Then he went out and said, oh, this is what God is saying. No, 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 no. He took that word. It aroused faith in him. And then he contended for the faith. He started laboring with that word. You see, the Bible says that you, there are so many pro- prophecies that have been given to you, but using these wedge, a good warfare. So the burden of faith says you are going to contend for the faith. You are going to pray for your destiny. You see, reformation as a movement is not going to happen simply because God has spoken. We have to contend for it. Hallelujah my last scripture, I said all that I said to come to this. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. You see, God declares the end from the beginning. And when he declares that, we need to walk into it. We are going to be challenged. We are going to have so many pressures that move us away. From 1984, 2007, and yet I have not yet ended. When you are in that in between, between the beginning and the end, Paul says, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Is it possible that after having labored, having been excited about that word in terms of destiny, then as life happened, you walk away from the faith. You think you are okay, but you are not in the faith. So he says, examine yourself. Test yourself. Check yourself out. When we started the year, God gave us a word for the year. And now we are coming to the end of the year. Check yourself. Are you in faith concerning that word? Have you stuck to it? When you look at yourself as a vital member of Celebration Celebration Ministries International, you are given to the vision. You are given to the mandate. Are you in faith concerning that vision? What are you doing? Are you contending for it? Is that the burden of the faith of what God has called us to? Does it move your heart? Does it move your wallet? Does it move your prayers? Does it move your talent? What are you doing about that? Test yourself. Are you in the faith? Are you a producer in celebration ministries or you're a consumer? Do you come to the stage to say, oh, look what they have not done well? Or you're saying, I, because of the burden of faith, I'm a contributor. So I'm going to make sure things happen. What are you doing towards the Reformation? What are you doing towards the call of God? <clears throat> Examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. What that means is that the burden of faith calls for self-examination. Are you still true to what God has spoken to you? Are you still focused on what He said in the beginning? You see, because self-examination prevents self-deception. Self-examination prevents self-deception. If I don't examine myself, I can be here. I can even have a post and be in the ministry. But I have given up on the faith for the mandate that God has given us. I can still be active. But I've wandered away from the faith. Do you still believe that it is possible to build people and build dreams? Do you still believe that as a movement, the call that God has given us to transform lives and reform communities is doable? If you do, examine yourself whether you are still in the faith. What God showed you in the light Are you still holding it in the darkness of the now? What is it that God has spoken to you about your life, about your destiny? Examine yourself. Are you still in the faith? Or you are deceiving yourself that you are still pursuing that mandate when in reality your finances don't show it, your prayers don't show it, your talent is not invested in what you are saying you are committed to. Say to your neighbor, neighbor. I think he's talking sense. You See, the burden of faith is the burden of distinguishing between faith, foolishness, and presumption. What you are believing God for, is it really based on the word of God? Or have you just presumed on God? Or are you, is it foolishness? You are pursuing a foolish dream because you have not searched the scriptures. You have not tested yourself. So we have said God declares the end from the beginning. And so between those two, between the beginning when he makes the declaration. And the end where there is a manifestation, that's where there is a faith challenge. And that faith challenge imposes a burden upon us. And in reality, what I'm calling the burden of faith is that we have a responsibility to ensure the realization of the promise. I think the best way to put it is as the founding father of the nation of Zimbabwe said in a resignation speech, which was not a resignation. When he said, he went in to the So the burden of faith is really a burden of a responsibility of causing that which God has declared to become a reality. What role am I playing? To safeguard that which God has spoken. What role am I playing to pursue and safeguard that destiny that God has spoken? That's the burden of faith. So the responsibility imposed upon us by the faith promise is what I'm calling the burden of faith. You know, this ministry Is founded on a call that was given to a man. And that call was a call for reformation by building people, building dreams to build the kingdom. And that mandate is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not for the faint-hearted. But I'm using that as a parable for your own life. What God has called you to is not a sprint, it's a marathon. But you see, I want us, before we go into an altar call, I want us to take just a few moments. I, I, I don't know, you, you know, God calls different people differently. But my my understanding when I study the call on Pastor Tom is that it's not a call just to a man but it's a transgenerational call to a family. So when we so it's a call that God has put on him but which will move on through his his generation through his seed. God speaks to Abraham. And it says, Abraham and your seed. You, You understand what I'm talking about? So I'm saying this because I want us to pray for the Dushels. They have given their lives to the call of God. They have not yet seen, they have seen some glimpses of what God has spoken. They have embraced it and yet they have not received it. And the burden of faith sometimes puts pressure on them to say, should we continue? sometimes as a family they are hit by the enemy because the enemy is trying to distract them from that mandate. But today I want to call this whole audience to just cover this family in prayer to protect them to say the burden of faith within them will spare them on so that they are not discouraged by things that happen. They are not frustrated by the frustrations of the now, but they keep their eyes on the end that God has shown. Are are we together? But as we are praying for them, you are sowing seed for your own destiny. Because the prayer you are praying for them to enter into that which God has called them, and we are lightening the burden of faith that is upon them, God will also raise people who lighten your own burden. Hallelujah. So, pastors, if you will allow me, can can I please ask you and your family to just come right here in front. We want to just, I will ask the whole audience to stand. And I will ask a few of our pastors to just come around around them. We, We want to take just some three minutes to pray a hedge of protection over them there's a burden, things happening in their lives that try to distract them from the call of God. That try to, not even distract, but just to frustrate them. But they've they've stayed the course. We want to pray that God will help them to see the manifestation of that which God showed in the beginning that whatever attacks of the enemy, they may be financial, they may be spiritual, they may be whatever, they don't take their eyes off. They embrace the promise and they walk it. So, congregation, let's just go into battle to pray. We are really fighting for the very existence of our ministry. We are praying for the call of God over these servants of God. (coughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, We thank you, my God, that you have spoken to your servants. You have called them for this such a time as this, my God. Father, they have laid their lives, Father, for the nation of Zimbabwe. You have called them into this nation. Father, they have left everything. Father, they confess that they are strangers in this world. They have seen your promise from afar off have embraced it father i pray right now that they may enter into the manifestation that they may enter into the manifestation i pray my god that the burden of faith that you have blessed on them father it may be lifted as they walk into the fullness of their destiny as they walk into the fullness of their calling as their family father we speak the fullness we speak the fullness of the calling of god <coughs> Father, I speak into that promise that they have seen from afar, the glimpses of eternity that they have seen. Father, may they begin to see a manifestation. May they begin to walk into the reign of the fullness of the promise of God. Father, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they hold on. Father, they are committed. They are committed to the call. They are committed to the purpose. Father, their eyes are set, their eyes are set, their gaze are focused Father, what we have called them to in the name of Jesus. My God, my God, my God, I thank you as I declare according to your word that the burden of reformation, Father, is upon their shoulders, that is upon this family. Father, it will manifest as they walk, Father, in the brink of eternity, as they walk. In the brink of eternity as they honor their lives, Father, with Father, the eternal perspective, Father, let them begin to enter into the fullness. Let them begin to enter into that which you have spoken for their lives. Father, we speak. You have given them away. You have caused your servants to hope in your word Father, we ask you this morning. Remember the words that you have spoken to your servants. You have caused them to hope for. Father, may there be a manifestation, a manifestation, a manifestation, a manifestation. May they embrace, may they receive, may they enter into that which are working over their life May they enter into my God. Father, I pray against frustration, I pray against disappointment, I pray against sluggishness, I pray against the burden that the enemy is putting on their shoulders. I say they will. The of God is awakened in their hearts and they press on, they press on, they press on, they press on. Father, they walk into the fullness of that promise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. as a congregation we realize that this call that you have placed upon Pastor Tom and Pastor Paul is not a call for one generation. It's a, not a call on a man. But you have placed a call on the shell family. And as a congregation we pray and we say that mandate which you have put in the servant of God may you burn it into their seed. May they become the torchbearers. Who will carry the burden further into next generations? May the flame of this burden never be extinguished. Father, may this generation be able to pass on to the next generation until the fullness of the purpose of God is manifested. Father, we thank you that this is a transgenerational call. We thank you, my God, that they have just seen it from afar. They have embraced it but they will see its manifestation. We declare it will come to pass. It will manifest. Reformation will happen. Your kingdom will come and your will will be done. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Now, you thought we were praying for them, which we were. But in reality, as you were praying for them, you were watering your own destiny. May you be partaker of your own destiny. You see, the call upon our Father is a call to build people and to build dreams. If you don't enter into your destiny, then that call has failed. If you don't enter into the fullness of your dream, then that call has failed. So, when we talk about the burden of faith, we are talking about while we, we are pushing them on, while we are encouraging them on, you also should pursue your own destiny. Also, pursue what God has called you. Because in the fulfillment of your dream, we are fulfilling the call that God has put on His servant. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.